All right. Uh, if you guys could turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Paul is, uh, uh, if you guys remember, we're going through Philippians. Uh, last time we went through it in chapter 2. Paul is dealing with uh, really our service unto the Lord and serving the Lord with joy. Uh, Paul's in prison as he wrote this letter to the Church of Philippi, that region uh, area, and Paul's in chains uh, in Rome, and he's telling the Church of Philippi to serve with joy, to have this joy, uh, which really speaks true to in our own hearts, in our own lives, because true joy, it's not based on circumstances. It's not based on situations, right? It's based on Jesus Christ himself, right? He is our joy, because he is never changing. He's always the same. The Bible even says in Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and we're to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, right? Um, because the, the writer of Hebrews even says uh, in Hebrews chapter two, 12 verse 2, he says, looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And now all of a sudden, uh, we can have this joy of the Lord from the Lord because it's all about the Lord, right? It's Christ in us, working through us as the church. And so when we gather together, when we come together, we'll just naturally serve out of the joy of our hearts because it's really the joy of him in our hearts just uh, bursting out. So last time we went through Philippians chapter 2, Paul gave us uh, two examples in having this joy in serving the Lord. And our first example was the greatest example, right? It's, it's Christ Jesus himself and that he, in fact, at the end of this verse, right, he had that joy of the Lord, that, that joy that was set before him. He endured the cross uh, that was set before him. So um, the second example was, of course, the church of Philippi themselves. And we went over six ways uh, the Philippians had joy in their service to the Lord. And as we look at verse 19 and on, we're going to see another two examples of uh, that Paul gives us here about our joy uh, as the church and as we serve the Lord. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, if you're there with me, let's just read the whole passage first, and then we'll go back over and just kind of examine what, what it's talking about here. Look at chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your states. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your states. For all seek their own, and not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel, or the furtherance of the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, Paul says, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. So he was expecting to get out of Rome, uh, prison there. In verse 25, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, fellow, uh, or I'm sorry, but your messenger, uh, and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed or troubled because you heard, had heard that he was sick. For indeed, verse 27, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him 
and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Um, Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Woo-wee. You guys ready? All right, go go back to verse 19. Uh, Now, Paul's going to give us two examples, and that's what we're going to look over tonight. Those examples of our service unto the Lord. The first example is going to be Timothy himself in verses 19 to 24. And the second example of uh, of our joy and our service unto the Lord is Epaphroditus, and that's going to be in verses 25 through 30. Now let's look back at young Timothy. Look at verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. So his example to us in having joy and service to the Lord, it's Timothy. So we're going to look at four things uh in light of Timothy's example, number one is his specifics. In other words, his, you know, the uh, general information about him. Notice in verse 19 uh, that he's going to send Timothy to him shortly, right? So we get to know a lot about Timothy, uh, not really here necessarily, but also here, but mainly in all the other epistles that Paul uh, writes as well. Timothy, by the way, his name is a compound word, so in other words, there's two, uh, Timna, meaning to honor, or Timea, Timate, right, little Timmy, uh, Theos means God, um, so uh, Timothy, his name means one who honors God, one who honors God. Timothy is actually mentioned in 11 of Paul's uh, letters. In fact, two of Paul's letters were written directly to young Timothy. And, and in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, we're told his mother's name was Eunice and his grandmother's name was Lois. And they were both believers. However, in Acts chapter 16, uh, the Bible refers to his father as a Greek and some uh, scholars, this is kind of the major view of a lot of scholars, I should say, is that since he was a Greek, uh, they believe that he was not even saved. Uh, obviously, uh, we don't know. So he could have t- totally been saved. Um, obviously, the, the gospel was there. He heard it. Um, and he may have known the Lord, but we don't know. Um, and in Acts chapter 14, while Paul was on his first missionary journey, most believe this is when uh, young Timothy came alongside Paul uh, in his first missionary journey, when Paul was in Lystria there in the central region of Asia Minor. In, in Acts chapter 16, a few years later, uh, Paul was on his second missionary journey going through the churches of Asia Minor, so he's going back over him again. And then he took Timothy with him on his second missionary journey uh, when he headed north out of Mesopotamia, uh, out of Macedonia, and, and uh, or I guess we can call it mainland uh, Greece today. But in Acts chapter 19, Timothy was with Paul on his third missionary journey, and uh, presumably Paul had sent him from 
Ephesus to the church of Corinth. Uh, and, and with that first letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, obviously we know it today as 1 Corinthians. And all that to say is young Timothy got a good fill of ministry. He knew, he watched, just as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul uh, was teaching young Timothy, and Timothy got to see all the 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 good stuff of ministry, right? The blessing of watching people come to the Lord, being born again, baptized, watching the fruit of their lives. Just, you know, they're reading the word themselves and they're praying to the Lord themselves. God's doing an impact. Those are the blessings of ministry. Um, but he also got to see the ugly part and the ugly side of ministry, right? Sheep bite, right? They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, sheep are pretty crazy. Um, but Paul or Timothy got to see a lot of stuff here. And here in Philippians, we see that Timothy was with Paul during his first Roman imprisonment here, uh, where, of course, he wrote this letter uh, to the church of Philippi. And we're told in 1 Timothy 3 that Timothy was the pastor there at Ephesus. So Ephesus being one of the largest cities there in Asia Minor. Uh, today, uh, it's still, well, there's a bunch of ruins there. You can, you know, people take pictures and stuff there. But uh, in 2 Timothy 4, 9, we're told that Paul summoned Timothy uh, to Rome during his uh, second imprisonment there in Rome. Uh, in 2 Timothy 4, 9, Paul says, be diligent to come to me quickly. And, and uh, so here comes Timothy, and so if we sum up everything we just looked at here, there's a whole bunch of stuff, right? And the specifics of Timothy, and I was very brief on it. There's a lot more on Timothy's life. Uh, I didn't want to go over the whole thing. But we see a young man who had joy in serving the Lord, in seeing the good and in seeing the bad, and yet he still chose to serve the Lord with joy and not serve the Lord with bitterness envy, strife, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, in Timothy's life, he had a lot of issues. He had a lot of problems in his life, personally. He was a pastor of a large church. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of problems in that alone. Um, and uh, uh, Ephesus was a really worldly-type place. It was a pagan city. Um, and there's, they served all kinds of idols and whatnot about Ephesus. But he was a young man. Uh, I would say young man, because he's probably my age. Um, and, and he also had some stomach problems at the time, and that's where Paul's encouraging him, hey man, take some, take some wine, you know, to, for your infirmities there. And that was, you know, today we would call it like medicine. Take some medicine for your stomach, because obviously they didn't have medicine like we do today, and alcohol killed the, you know, the bacteria in the water back then. Um, but yet in all of this, in all of his trials, he still had that joy in his service unto the Lord. Now let's look at the second thing about Timothy. We saw the specifics. Now let's look at his, uh, it's, it's the submission. His submission in verse 19. Look at the end of verse 19. It says, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. So he's going to send Timothy. He wants to be encouraged. Look, skip down to verse 23. It says, Therefore I hope to send him at once, um, as soon as I see how it goes with me. And so Paul was ready to send young Timothy to Philippi as soon as possible, right? So Paul was ready to send him. And the point is, Timothy was willing to go. How cool is that? Uh, 
to submit to Paul's will in sending Timothy, right, from uh, Rome, uh, where he's visiting Paul there in Rome. And, and that's exactly what God desires for each and every one of us today, right? For us to submit to God's authority, to his will, to his wants, to whatever he wants. And, and to a lot of us, it's like a no-brainer. It's like, duh, of course I want to submit to his will. Uh, but to some of us, there's a struggle, and, and it's a real battle going on. And it's, it is a real battle. Um, but when we do serve the Lord, when we do fall in line with his will, when we do uh, realize his authority and we listen to the Lord, the byproduct is going to be the result of the joy of the Lord within us and through us, right? And it's going to be pretty neat. So because we're doing it, we're doing what the Lord wants and what is his will in our lives. We're saying, Lord, here's what I want. Nevertheless, whatever you want, let it be, Lord, your will. Let your will be done, right? As, as it is in heaven, as it is on earth, it's, it's going to get done, either or. Either I'm with you or not, your will's getting done. So here's my plan, but, but what's your plan, Lord? And that's all that matters. But ultimately, we need to come to the place in our lives where we have, we have to say, you know, God, I, I want to submit to your authority. I want to submit to your will. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Well, except maybe the jungle. <laughs> they got snakes and anacondas, you know, and spiders. And they got, they got all this stuff that can kill you. So maybe not the jungle. Maybe not, you know, maybe not Europe right now. Maybe just America. Maybe just Hawaii. You know, it's kind of, you know, throwing. it's pretty nice out there, right? I'll do ministry for you, Lord. Ah, yeah, this is nice, right? It's kind of the idea. Um, but, no, 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 are you kidding me? Are you, right? No, it's whatever his will is, whatever his wants are, whatever he sends you to, that's what he wants you to do. In fact, God will never give you what you can't handle. He's not going to send you and to be in charge of like a couple million people if you're not able to be in charge of a couple million people, right? He's not going to send you to a place he knows that you're just going to fall over and die. Right? He's going to send you to a place he's given you the strength and the power and the ability and his spirit to enable you to perform what is good, what he has put in you. And it's going to come naturally and therefore it's going to come with joy right it's the joy of the lord so when you're in a place he wants you to be in it's going to be great right and no by the way go back to verse 19 i kind of skipped over this in the very beginning but i trust in the lord jesus oh i love this part um then look down at verse 24 i trust in the lord jesus so it's no coincidence that paul links submission with trusting in the Lord. One reason we typically do not submit our will to the Lord Jesus Christ and his authority is really because we don't trust him. We don't trust him. We're, we're not sure, you know, whether he's going to be pulling it off or not. Or, you know, we don't think he's going to do it the way we want him to do it. Lord, here's my plan and this is how it's supposed to get done. And if, unless it gets done this way, then it's just not going to happen. And so... I don't know if I could trust you right now. Uh, maybe I should just handle this one. Look, just give me the strength to do it and I'll do it for you. Really? <laughs> the sustainer, the creator of the whole world and you're the creation, right? And you're, you're, wow. So there's trust issues. And I find it funny that 
people uh, may know the will of God for their lives, and yet they they choose not to trust him because, you know, maybe he's not going to do it the way you want him to do it. Maybe he's not going to do it according to your will and according to his will. So, I mean... Whoa, we don't want him to do it according to his will after all, right? Uh, but when you finally trust him and his will for your life, uh, there's going to be joy in serving the Lord because it is the Lord and it's on to the Lord. And all service, by the way, if you're a believer, you're, you're, you're in the service. You've been given uh, that service. You're in the service in a sense, right? You've been enlisted <laughs> and, and you are in ministry, If you're a believer in the Lord, God is either working in you and through you without you knowing, or he's doing it with you knowing. And some of us, he does it without us knowing for our own sakes, right? So we don't get a big head about it. We're like, oh, look at me. Um, But it's funny how we always come back to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Have you guys ever noticed that? For me in my own life, I just always come back to like, Lord, what do I do? I got, oh, probably, there we go. You know, I got to trust, trust in the Lord right? Uh, with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge who? Him. And, and what? He's going to direct your path. He's going to make it straight. He's going to make it obvious. He's going to make it happen. But you need to submit your will to the Lord. You got to stop playing church and be the church, right? You got to stop playing around and say, Lord, what's your will for my life? Lord, what do you want to do here? You got to be available and, and really flexible in a sense in your life as a Christian, don't you? Because when we get into our routine of things, God sometimes wants to get you out of that routine and he wants to mix you up and shake you up and say hey go over there now and and our flesh says what no no lord who are you to say it it isn't that funny the whole world says yes lord and here's humankind and 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 man says because god's given us the free will to choose right and man says no what is that the creation telling the creator no, God, and that's always with the fist, right? You always got your fist, and it's always tension and strife, and it's the flesh. And the flesh is trying to create its own and be its own, and that's the fall of mankind back to the Garden of Eve, right? A Garden of Eden. And, and it's man trying to be his own God. And, and that's why we got our new technology today, right? With, you know, worship to this machine, to this, you know, new, you know, uh, thing and it's it's crazy. Get Mary's uh, little uh, news bites on that. But it, it, our world today, we gotta just we gotta realize we're coming to a wrap. We're coming to a close, right? We need to look up, be the watchman. We need to be uh, observance of our days in trusting in the Lord all the more. I think if we were back 20 years ago, I think we can sit back on our hammock and be like, ah, oh, this is the life. But I think right now our heart needs to be pounding because of the signs that are obvious today. Uh, There's a lot of things going on. Ministry is ministry, but the more you look at Christ, the more you're going to see ministry and appreciate the ministry that he's given you. Because he's given to each a measure of faith, and to some more, to some less. But the more you realize the day and our hope that we have in Christ, right, our expectancy, 
um, man, it, it's going to push you further to, to go all the more, go all out, do what you do heartily unto the Lord, right? And realize you could do all things because of Christ. It's him who empowers you. It's him who strengthens you and not you yourself. I know there was a study, Chuck Smith talked about it, um, that there were some rats in this thing with water and there's like a, a wave current coming this way and there's two of them, right? And the rats are trying to swim and one of them has cheese at the other end and they just can't get to it because the, the current's just getting them. They just keep going and the other ones over here, they don't have any cheese on the other side to look forward to. So the ones over here, they see the cheese and they want to live and they're going for that cheese and they realize these ones over here, they had nothing to live for. So they just went, oh, oh, <laughs> they, they, they just died. But the other ones that had hope in that sense, right? They saw the cheese. You guys can relate, right? You're, we're Wisconsin, so did I pronounce that right? Wis? Um, but, but they saw the cheese and they kept going and they lived longer. And it's the same thing for us Christians. If we see Christ, if we see our hope, if we see the prize that's set before us, run with endurance, man. Run and don't stop because it's not the hour you started. It's the hour that you finished that matters. Isn't that right? So we run with endurance in our faith, and it's not our faith, it's his faith. We're in him, we're in Christ, and it's Christ in us giving you the ability to even see the realm around us, right? The things that are happening, spiritually speaking, as well. We have prayer, which is a spiritual weapon like crazy, right? We have so much going for us as the church, and we need to stick together as the church. We need to be the body. But... All the more, I, I think when I look at ministry, just we got to wake up, church. We got to realize this isn't a game. This isn't something we should be playing around with. This isn't something we should sit down and get comfortable with. We need to be on easy in the sense of realizing the times that we're in. Guys, it's coming to a close. Never before has record breaker uh, earthquakes have been happening, right? Oh, look at around us. It's amazing. It's just, you know, the hurricanes are record breakers again. And everything in Matthew 24, you just read through the word and you read your newspaper or watch the news and you're like, whoa, what's going on here? And so all the more... There should be an urgency for the believer not to fall asleep. Like Jesus came back to the disciples, right? The three guys, Peter, James, and John. Guys, stop sleeping. <laughs> Church, that's what I would say to you today. Stop sleeping. Now's the time to pray. Now's the time to, you know, you're in ministry. Now do ministry. Be ministry. Be what God's created you to do. Because he's put you in this place for this time. Such a time as this, right? And and it's for his glory. That's why we do ministry, right? Our eyes are on Christ. Our eyes aren't on promotion like the world. The world sees things in a whole other perspective. We'll get to that too. But our eyes need to be on Christ. And our, when our eyes are not on Christ... Then you're doing things in the flesh, and you're trying to perform ministry in the flesh. You're trying to, you know, teach the kids, or be a, a greeter, or be a whatever it is you're doing onto the Lord. But when it's done in the flesh, it's no fun. If you guys hold your fists like this, I don't, you don't have to do it. But if you held it for like five minutes, you're going to be like, ah, that's kind of a picture of the flesh. When you're just striving and you're pushing and you're trying to make it happen. Let me help you, God. <laughs> and that's the idea that once you let go and you're just like, oh, such a relief. That's what it, how it feels when you humble yourself and you look at Christ and you look at and you trust him. 
right? And you give up and you surrender and submit to the Lord's will. That's how it feels when you're like, oh, how come I, whoa, it took me 10 years to do this? And God's like, yeah. And you're like, okay, now that I humble myself, Lord, where do you want me to go? And he's like, well, I just want you to stay here. And you're like, what? It took me 10 years and I was fighting and all that and thinking all this. And you, well, yeah, I just wanted you to let go. And, and now you can start going forward now. And you're like, oh, I wasted all those years, right? It's the same thing when we try to work in our flesh. It's not worth it. It's in vain. It's vanity. And uh, we got to push forward, right? We need it just like Hebrews 12, 2 said, looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, right? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why did he do that? For our example, as a, as a Christian, Guys, things are, they're wrapping up pretty quickly. Um, let's come to the third example of Timothy and his sincerity. Uh, it's in his sincerity. So in verse 20, look at verse 20. It says, For I have no, no one like-minded, Paul says, who will sincerely care for your state. Paul uh, is speaking of Timothy here. His sincerity was uh, for the care of other people. And Paul said, there is no one like-minded. Look at verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. And, uh, oh, I had both of them. Yeah, there we go. Good job, guys. Um, so Timothy's love for other people compared to others was basically uncomparable in the sense that he cared for others, whereas the idea here, the contrast here, is that others, this the major, the majority of the group of people, don't care for others, and and thus Timothy will be sincerely, he'll 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 be uh, natural for you. He's going to come back. He's going to take care of you guys, and this becomes significant because sincerely, this word here, uh, is only used here and nowhere else in the whole Bible. Very interesting. Or I should say the New Testament, because that's all I checked for. But uh, sincerely, this is the... Oh, why did I do that? Okay. Um, this, this basically means natural. And so Timothy's care for the church of Philippi came naturally, supernaturally, if you will. So because it was Christ in him, naturally performing out of him because he chose with his own free will to surrender his will to the Lord and allowing the Lord to do a work in his in and through his life just like Romans 12 1 and 2 right he chose to put the word of God in his life and now the word of God has transformed him it renews his mind it renews your heart in a sense and now you're able to do the, what the work of Christ right whatever he's called you to do so it was sincere in other words uh, it was natural. It was without wax, we would say. Um, kind of like in Israel. They would have the, the tents and the markets there. And, you know, maybe they spent like two, three, four days making this beautiful vase, you know, out of pottery. And, 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 uh, and they're like, oh, there it is. We finally did it. Oops. Oh, what are we going to do? We got some wax. Let's put it together. Put some wax on it. There we go. Just buff it up a little bit. Look at that. You don't even know that it was broken. And now a customer comes in and they're like, oh, that looks good. Hey, is that without wax? Is that sincere? Is that natural? And they're like, oh, if they lie, right? Of course it's without wax. Uh, you know what? 50% off. Oh, here you go. And you're like, yeah, that's a good deal. And you walk out into the hot sun. Israel's like Arizona, right? I know Arizona. I died a lot. 
It was hot. It was like 120, 30,000 degrees. It was crazy. So you walk outside with this vase, right, with wax, and all of a sudden, ding, 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 and it all falls apart. And you're like, hey, I wasn't without wax. And you take it back. I want my money back, right? So that's the idea here. This word sincerely, sincere, is without wax. Is it sincere? Is it true? Is it natural? And and uh, so he... It's funny because Timothy didn't have to work for this. He didn't have to muster up something. He didn't have to, I need to produce fruit right now, right? To go help this church of Philippi. When, when we really submit to the Lord, trust in the Lord, the natural byproduct uh, will be we would want to serve others. We're going to want to serve others. It's a get-to, not a have-to, right? And, and it's, you're going to want to serve them, but realize it's in the power of the Lord. It's not going to be our own strength, our own power. It's going to be Christ in us and through us. So it's not a right. It's not a ritual. It's not a rule, regulation. It's not... Uh, what is that? Perspiration, right? It's inspiration. It's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's a desire that comes from within us uh, for others, and therefore we'll do it with joy. So if you're in ministry, by the way, and you're not doing it with joy, but you're trying and you're like, oh, you're stressing out, and you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I gotta go to church today. <laughs> I gotta go do ministry. Then please stop. Right? Okay? Let's stop. Just sit down and, and get in the Word all over again and, and for our own sakes as well, right? Because uh, you stink. Anyways, because it's, it's a work of the flesh and the flesh stinks, right? Whenever you're trying to do something and you're trying to perform, it's, it's ugly. And everybody knows it's ugly. And everybody's doing this around you. Oh, man. <laughs> right? Uh, but here we see the example of Timothy that he was sincere. He was without wax. He didn't stink, right? Uh, and, and he was it was right on. Let's come to the fourth and final example in Timothy's life, and it's his servanthood, his servanthood. Look at verse 22. It says, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel, or you can put in the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, Timothy's character was that he was a he was a servant in preaching with Paul the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that word servant, by the way, means doulos. I got a parakeet named doulos, right? Hey, doulos. Um, it means servants. It means uh, slave. It's it's one who has no rights of his own. No, he can't do anything of his own. He's in, he's serving his master, and whatever his master says, that's what he needs to do. And and it paints a beautiful picture, though, uh, in verse twenty two of a father and a son relationship. Just as a servant is to obey his master, so too a son is to obey his father. Amen. Right. Yeah. Oh. I tell my son that all the time. You obey your father. And so too, it's the same thing with the church. We are the body of Christ, and we are to serve and obey our our Lord, our Father, who's in heaven, right? So um, that's pretty neat. And and uh, one thing about this is that we try to be obedient to the Lord in our own flesh in our own strength and in our own power zechariah 4 6 says what not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the lord so it's through the work of the holy spirit in and through our lives colossians 1 27 says what it's christ in us the hope of glory right so if christ is in you he wants to do a work let him do a work. It's not by your power and your strength. Back off and let God. Let go and let God, right? There's a good one. Um, so 
being a servant um, involves humility, right? Being a servant means being humble. And, and we can all agree that for our whole life, uh, it's been drilled into our heads that we should serve others. Other people should serve us. I mean, after all, it's me, right? I mean, other people need to serve me. They need to come minister to me and not that me serving them. I mean, what is that? Um, but that's, that's the, what the Bible teaches. And, and, uh, in fact, this whole world, right? That's how the world revolves. That's how the world works. That's how the business mindset is that, you know, you gotta get the t- to the top. You gotta be number one. You gotta be the president, right? And, and take me here. Take me there. Minister to me about this and do this, right? Whatever it may be. Um, but no, what people don't realize about Christianity is it's the opposite right? If you want to be great, you have to be a servant of all. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 10, 43, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servants. Hey, if you want to be first, which is great, by the way, it's a good, it's an honorable thing, but you need to be last. And and Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus says, hey, and he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all. And he adds, servants of all. And, and so being a servant involves humility. And I know we talked about that before, so I'm not going to get all into it. But that means doing something that we don't normally, we don't normally uh, think we should be doing. It's, you know, it's kind of, it doesn't come natural to us at all or something that is beneath us. You know, people, people want to be pastors and they think that's the spotlight. Surely God's going to love me more or God will use me more if I'm a pastor. And then they strive and try to become like somebody that they're not. Guys, ministry is a calling. It's not about being this one or being that. I'm just a foot. Nice thinking. You know, look at it. Thou shalt not covet, right? <laughs> be content with where the Lord has called you. And, and be, allow God, right? Just be, stop, right? <laughs> Let the Lord do his work in you wherever, whatever you do. I only take out garbage. That's all I do all day. And it's just, how is this a minute? Do it with joy in your heart, right? Do it onto the Lord, heartily onto the Lord, with all your strength, all your might, onto the Lord, because it's, it's, it's Christ in us, right? So, um, anyways, it's, it's, I just think it's funny. I don't know why I threw that out there, but it's so true. There's a lot of people that have come up to me and they're like, hey, I want to be a pastor. Praise the Lord. So is this what you want to do or is this a calling, you know, that the Lord's put on your heart? And they don't, some people don't understand the difference. You know, if it's a calling, most likely it's something that you probably don't want to do, right? Or you aren't expecting. It's something like, you know, David's out in the field with the lambs, you know, and hang out with the sheep and, and, uh, David, they're calling you, right? And what? Why do I want to be? Look at my brothers. Look at all them. Well, this is the king. Here you go, King David. And so it's, it's something not, not to compare a king to a pastor, but we are, there's no partiality in Christ Jesus. We're all equal, right? And there is nobody above another at all. So keep that in mind. Don't think that there's one higher than another. We're, we're all the body, and we work together as the body. And we don't even have to be reminded of that. It's just, it's, it's so cool. When the body comes together, we just naturally, we're going to serve each other. We're just naturally going to perform the gifts that God has given through us and to us and to others, right? And it's just going to, it's just so cool when the body comes together. Anyways, 
Epaphroditus, this is the second example of uh, the service that we can, you know, uh, the, the example that we're given here in our service to the Lord with joy. This guy Epaphroditus, look at verse 25. It says, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Uh, his name means lovely or handsome. There you go, ladies go, there you go. His name is only mentioned twice in the, in the Bible, and it's actually here, and uh, I think it's in chapter 4, but uh, nowhere else. And there's three things about Epaphroditus that I want to go over in uh, his example and his joy in serving the Lord. Number one, note his willingness that we just read right here in verse 25. It says, uh, it considered it necessary to send him, right? He's his brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, and uh, who ministered, uh, the one who ministered to my need. So this speaks of Epaphroditus as a messenger. It carries the idea that he was a member of the church of Philippi. And, it carried, uh, and he left Philippi to travel to Rome to bring Paul, uh, you know, some supplies that he Paul probably needed while he was in prison. And in fact, drop down to verse 30. Paul is talking about Epaphroditus here. He says, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. In fact, turn to chapter 4. Chapter 4. Look at verse 18. It says, indeed I have all and abound, and I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to the Lord. Now the point here is, it was Epaphroditus' willingness to risk his life, to forgo his own comfort in leaving Philippi, right? To go to Rome knowing that if he brings these supplies to Paul, they're probably going to lock him up as well, right? So he had a lot of things going here. He was willing to lay down his life, to lay aside uh, himself to serve others and what he had. And, and we often struggle with the willingness to lay aside our own safety, our own comforts, right, to serve other people. And typically the reason uh, we have a struggle with this willingness is because of the battle that we're in. According to Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So we're, we're all in this battle called the flesh against the spirit, right? It's a battle going on. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 41, he says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, weak. So the spirit's willing to, to set aside you know, our own comforts, our own safety, uh, our own willing uh, whatever it is, right, our own world, and, and be willing to minister to the needs of others. But the flesh, the flesh is weak, right? It's not willing at all. <laughs> it's The flesh doesn't want to naturally help others. Um, the flesh is only in it for, you know, helping itself. It's, it's looking at it, hey, look at me. It's the one looking in the mirror, right? That's why it's weak. 
And, and that's exactly why it's important. We feed the spirits and not the flesh. I know that that's why you guys are here today. Obviously, you guys are here to, yeah, I'm speaking to the choir, right? You guys came to get in the word and, and you guys, that's why you're here. But the problem is we only come to church, look at it realistically, maybe one, two hours a week, three hours a week. But we're in the world, though, and and uh, throughout the day, you look at all the hours that we're getting hit and bombarded by the things of the world, and we're only here for so long, right? So we need to get in the Word ourselves. Uh, I don't know how many couples that have been in the church for years, and they still don't read the Word together. They don't pray together. How do you how do you walk together if you're not in the Word together? How what is where's the unity coming from? You know. Is it coming from the world more so that you're, you're allowing that in your marriage? We need the word of God. And as a church, we need to continue to come together as fellowship. We need to commune with one another, right? Acts 2.42, that was the first thing that they started doing in the, in the church in the beginning. So we need one another. And, and it's, it's just so important that we go through the word of God throughout the week, right? More so. Um, and it's, it's, it's good to step out of our comfort, right? And step, step into f- by faith all that Christ has for you. Um, and it is by faith. Second thing that we note about Epaphroditus is his welfare. His welfare. Look at verse 26. It says, Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Look at verse 27, for indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God, there it is, underline that part. Notice it's always negative, 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 but God, positive, 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 positive. Do you guys see that too? I think it's just me maybe, but that's how I see things. When I see these two words together, there's something better coming, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him more the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. So Epaphroditus cared for the, the, the welfare more than, uh, for others more than he did for himself. In fact, we're told in verse 26 that he was distressed or troubled, that word can mean. When he heard that the church of Philippi had uh, found out that he, he was sick, uh, he was upset in hearing that they heard that he was sick um, and, and upset. But he, he cared more about the welfare of them, of the church of Philippi, than he did of himself. He was sick to the point of death. He almost died, right? What a good reminder that is for all of us looking out for the welfare of others, right? Just like Paul just said in Philippians chapter 2, if you look at verse 4, he said, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And when, when you truly look out for the welfare of others, uh, we'll do it with the joy of the Lord in our hearts. And it, just like Paul just said uh, as well in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, he says, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. So what was Epaphroditus, was he going through a real difficult time in life? Yeah. It was on to death, right? That's pretty serious. And yet he was concerned for the welfare of others. 
There's something going on in his heart there, right? That naturally just won't happen to anybody else uh, who doesn't know the Lord. It's interesting when we think that we're going through a, a horrible time in our life and, and we begin to, you know, talk to other people and we find out that they're going through a more miserable time and a more horrible time and they're like, oh, you got a cut on your finger? Wow. Did you notice that I don't have two arms and two legs and look at all the ministry that I'm doing right now? And you're like, whoa. <laughs> I feel dumb, right? And all of a sudden, your problems don't look like big problems anymore, right? And and uh, so it's good to talk to others and, and, and see the things that they're going. I love talking to a lot of you guys, not you guys, but some people, other people that, you know, they got some problems going on in their life. And I'm like, man, I got it pretty good. You know, I come home and my wife's like, how you doing? How are you doing? And I'm all, good. <laughs> really? We're good. We're not bad. We're good. There's, uh, there's some bad stuff going on in this world. But that's when you're loving others, you're serving others. Now your drama, your dramatic life, all of a sudden it just doesn't seem so dramatic anymore. And, and when we focus on ourselves and our problems, uh, they become so amplified because we're focused on self, right? And the bigger they become bigger than they actually are. And, and since we're developed, we develop that in our mind, right? That's actually what your flesh desires. Your flesh craves to be stressed. It craves to argue and murmur and complain. And it craves to just blah and wants to cry and be, you know, emo- and there's nothing wrong with crying and emotions, but that's what your flesh desires to do. But, uh, man, there's such a joy in ministering to others and putting, you know, that perspective together biblically and see, okay, man, do I need to focus on these things right now? Is that really going to help right now? Do I need to worry about tomorrow? Because Jesus even said, you know, don't pay tomorrow's got its own cares, you know, sufficient as the day. Let's, let's just go one step at a time. Let's look at what God's word says instead and let, let's push forward. Um, the third thing here, and the final thing, we'll just wrap this up about Epaphroditus, is it involves his work. His work. Look at verse 29 and verse 30. It says, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, which is awesome, I love that part, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So the reason Epaphroditus was so close to death, it was for the work of Christ Jesus. And back in verse 27, we see he was sick uh, almost unto death, right? So here we see the sickness was a byproduct of him and his, his working on to Christ. He's working for the Lord. So whatever he was doing was in light of the gospel message. And because of what the, he, he did, he didn't even regard his own life, but he was regarding the life of others, right? His mindset was on others. And he was more concerned about the work of Christ rather than the work of his own. So what a great example that sets for all of us. Everything he had in this life, it meant nothing to him, right? Therefore, he was willing to do the work that Christ has set before him. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Realize... Uh, 
this life is not about us and what we can conjure up and what we can build up. I'm going through Jeremiah right now, and it's funny that, you know, the Israelis, they, they would go and they would build up their own little tower and their own little things and be like, there, there's our God. It's dirt, God says. He's all, are you serious? <laughs> you, you're going to really turn your back on me? I'm God. I'm your creator. I'm the one that le- led you through the Red Sea. And he reminds them of who he is. And yet they say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. We're, we're so sorry. We're, you know, forgive us of our sins. We've done wrong. Our children's done wrong. Our fathers before us have done wrong. We're so sorry. And yet God rebukes them. No, you're not. You say you're sorry, but you're not sorry. Look at the lifestyle that you're living. You're not repenting. You're not turning from your wicked ways, from your idolatry, from your harlotry, from all the things that you're doing. You're still in those things. And that's why I tell you guys, hey, church, wake up. Because we're being just like the Israelis, right? We're being just like them back in the day where we're, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you so much. Oh, look, sin. Wow. Right? We're so excited for, for the world. And yet we need to be so excited for the word and for what is God saying and what does God want. And, and yet we're not. We're a sitting ducks. Not us, but I'm thinking of the majority of churches. Stop. Don't beat me up, guys. But, but, but it's so sad. And we, we just got to turn to the Lord. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So everything came from God, and everything belongs to the Lord. Amen? Amen. So when we understand that, we're, well, now we're, it's, we, we'll be willing to sacrifice, you know, everything for the work of Christ to say, you know, you know what, Lord, nothing in this world means anything to me. I'm just, I want to serve you. Uh, and you know, that's a good perspective to have in your daily life. Every day you got to wake up and give up. You guys with me on that? You may have given up yesterday and the day before, but if you're not, if you're not in your relationship is going further than it was yesterday, then you're backsliding. So every day we need to look forward and keep, keep pressing in, man. It's, it's a blessing. But, uh, work is not about how much you get paid, right? When you guys go to work, it's not about working to that amount. It's about working on to Christ, right? It's about, it's a mission field. Work is a mission field. And by the way, take care of your bodies physically, but also take care of your spiritually, right? Take care of yourself spiritually, but also physically. I think that has a big, uh, major role in our lives as believers. So watch out for yourselves. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord, because God sees the heart, and that's when he judges us, not in, you know, for wrath's sake, for hell, but when he judges us, uh, he's going to judge us in the reward ceremony, right? He's going to, but he's going to look at the, the motive of why you did those things. Why did you do that? Why did you give that guy the gospel? Why did you go over there and do that? Why did you pray for him? Why did you go and give that, that person all that food? Well, um, uh, <laughs> so pray before you do anything, first of all, right? Make it count. Make it matter, because it does matter. And uh, make sure you're doing it on to the Lord. Let's pray, guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. And what a reminder, Lord, it is to, um, Lord, just serve you with joy. And just knowing that we can't. <laughs> uh, we can't we can't serve you, Lord. We need your help. We're, we're nothing without you, Father. And so I pray that you would, you would break us, Lord, that you would ruin us, ruin our lives, ruin our plans, our thoughts, our, what we want in our own lives. And I pray that you would uh, just instill within us your peace, Father, and begin to show us the things. Just light up our world, Lord, that we can be a light onto this world and uh, that we would be set apart from the things of this world, that we wouldn't play uh, one 
foot in the church and one foot out and uh, but make us surrendered onto you lord to be extreme for you to to surrender our lives to be able to be uh, living for you and i pray that you would do that work by your spirit lord and it would just be natural um, I pray if anybody's here that has been trying so hard and just been trying and trying that you would just allow them to, to remember that they're prideful, Lord, and just humble them and, and break them of that, Lord, that they would, um, that they would just look up to you, Father, and, and know who you are. I pray you continue to teach us your word as we gather here to church, Father, as we have our freedom here in America. Uh, Lord, that we would serve you, Father, for the time that we have, for the time, the, the freedom that we have to come willingly and freely uh, without uh, the sense of being murdered or uh, being hurt. Um, Lord, let us not take advantage of the time and take opportunity of the time, Father. And, and I pray that you would do your work, Lord, in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.